There are no meaningful surprises at the Oscars, um, but the presence of octogenarian Jerzy Skolomowski was perhaps unexpected this year, bringing with him Eo, a film we saw in Boslav last year, a Bressonian fable of human cruelty seen through the eyes of a little donkey. And now the BFI is running their own retrospective on Skolomowski. They've called it Outsiders and Exiles. Skolomowski is really both an outsider and exile. In 1967, Hands Up, a film, would lead quite literally to his ejection from his homeland, depicting as it did, um, or exploring as it did really, uh, in a kind of allegorical way, um, a response to these Stalinist purges and Stalinist terror. Um, he's led what you might favorably call an interesting life, amateur boxer, jazz drummer, stuntman, actor, filmmaker. Even now at 80, he bristles with bigness, big guy. There's something very cool about Jersey. So what we're going to do this week is to explore really only his early cinema, his Polish cinema, his new wave cinema. With reference to some of the later works which we yeah. have seen, which we're aware of. Yeah, we will contextualize them with later films, but our, our kind of locus is going to be the early stuff, all of which are films that he alludes to actually as being slightly disappointing. Um, but they are really mesmeric, visually arresting, experimental, effortless, bleh, 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 effortlessly, that's not even a word anymore, inventive. For your themes, there's alienation, drifting, erotics without actual fucking and i think consumerism consumer society class status his protagonists acted both by himself and the likes of jan the wiki are all balls who rub the wrong way against their times we're talking identification marks none walkover barrier lady pa um hands up obviously in deep end um and with hands up that was a film that was you know made in 1967 and released eventually in 1981 where it screened out of competition at Cannes. He was, or is, a contemporary of Wider, mates with Polanski. But maybe, Ralph, he's not always considered among the top tier of Polish filmmakers. Is that, is that fair to say? Why do you think that is? Yeah, he's, he's had a strange um, career meandering from these severely underrated Polish films um, to a kind of what would in the 70s have been considered prestige Mm. works i guess this this folk horror with alan bates called the shout, the shout. um was probably his most critic in its time critically strangely successful critically, film. it won the grand prix at Cannes, yeah, and i think it was positively praised. reviewed at the time um, and it had big stars um tim curry as well tim curry yeah mm. um and jim broadbent and uh, yeah playing an absolute psychopath <laughs> yeah. beautiful performance by um, jim broadbent actually yeah i think he he and he lived in la for many years he he made um, he made a lot of different kinds of films, and I think EO. I mean, we to get our more detailed thoughts on that. Obviously, as, as you said, you listened to our, our our podcast about it when we saw it at, at the New Horizons Festival in Botswana. But um, you know, that is a, is fortunately a film of a of a director who hasn't gone stale, mm. a director who's still asking questions about what a film can be. Um, it's a very inventive work. I personally didn't really love it and bristled against uh bristled against its various idiosyncrasies um i i felt it was it, it was a barnstormer i think obviously the the lens people saw it through was this is um a kind of hyper pop rock opera reinterpretation of breast on for if you're a deep 
cut Bresson Stan, mm-hmm. that's going to bristle with you. I don't have a problem with that. I think as a remixing of, of Bresson through the lens of like hyper modernity and hyper modern forms of visual storytelling, it was really interesting. It's not, you know, it's not an all timer, but I think it's for an 80 year old kick, knocking this out. Pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I'm 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 impressed by him and his his exploits. I just found it to be like ugly and um and a bit kind of moments um, of beauty. Yeah, but it wasn't but striving for beauty. It, I don't think. Yeah, I, I have an issue with things that don't strive for beauty. I guess. Um, and what's it, so what's so fascinating with these early works, um, is that they have a grace and a beauty and a and they and a f- and a, a fluidity of mm. motion, um. I think we need to talk about Orson Welles when we talk about Skolomovsky. Yeah, I think we do. Um, you, you, you were talking before about um, obviously how Orson Welles famously started in the theatre, mm. and you know he put Greg Toland, the DOP of Citizen Kane, on the same title card as him. Uh, Citizen Kane, his his debut film, mm. um, because he felt he owed so much to Greg Toland yeah, in terms yeah. of like teaching him about language visual language. Yeah, and yeah, Greg yeah. Toland famously said to Orson Welles. Um, I wanted to work with you because uh, you didn't know what wasn't possible. Um, and there's something about a kind of uh, a naivety and an inventiveness, um, a uh, a kind of um, a wunderkind, I don't know what these sort of phrases about, you know, but he, uh, a fresh voice mm. who basically um, had loads of, I- was full of visual ideas and cared enough about, and it, maybe it's easier in the Polish context, but cared, you know, in a lot of contexts, you know, the narrative propulsion and and dramaturgy uh, take precedent over spectacle. Yeah. And I think what's um, as a director on a film set, you know, sometimes you have to fight quite hard to make sure that people remember. You know, we're making a film; things have to not just look pretty, but be. Um, they need have, to have, have a, momentum, a, and a, not only momentum, but they need to have a sense of space. And I think this yeah. is something that this is like the Wellsian linkage. And I know, like in the last six months, we've been f- like making these Wellsian parallels a lot. But I think um, Skolomowski is a director who does seem in a lineage of Wells, maybe not intentionally as he would see it, but there is a sense of uh, using space and depth and time um, to do a lot of the, the heavy lifting in his stories because mm-hmm. the stories are often quite fragmented. He jump cuts often, they are non-linear, and it's particularly true of these early films. Uh, they tend to unfold as fragments um, in a hero's journey. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's particularly true of Identification Marks None. It was his debut film. It was really sort of three films stitched together, and you can kind of tell where the, you can see the suture marks mm-hmm. of that. Um, but it involves a lot of jumping. But when you look at a film like Barrier, Barrier is a film that will will sort of flow between kind of naturalistic conversations mm-hmm. uh, and then suddenly depart into quite um, abstract ensemble pieces yeah. that are very, very much feel fitting for the stage in a way, mm-hmm. um, but still retain a real like vigorous filmic formal language. Um, we can go into specifics in a bit, but I think maybe the film that is the most conventional of these is probably... Uh, walkover mm-hmm. um, which he made between those two films it was between those two film. films yeah yeah it's probably his most as it were conventional but even then you know there's a real attunement to uh space and depth and it's still a kind of frisky fizzy yeah. uh fizziness to it which is what excites me about when watching these early films is this intense coolness about it and you can mm. draw parallels with godard 
and Buddha Souffle, you know, the kind of the birth of filmic cool. But actually, mm-hmm. Buddha Souffle isn't that cool. It's 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 received as being very cool, but the actual experience of watching Buddha Souffle is not that cool. It's a very uh, anomic and kind of languid film that's very aware of its uh, its struttingness. I think, whereas and it's sort of debt to. American cinema or genre yeah, cinema, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas this really isn't. I think this is. There's something very anarchic and very farcical about early Skolomovsky, um, and it's very fun to watch him. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I didn't come here to uh, to, de- to to denigrate Godard, I would never obviously. Neg um, come on, but yes, you're right. Those 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 early films are very much about a relation to cinema and and looking and being looked at. Mm. Whereas Kolomovsky has a much more um, spontaneous Probably energy, a more a- amateurish in a way. It comes more from amateur, yeah. Think, there's yeah. a kind of beautiful amateurism to it, um, if one can use that word in a non-pejorative way. I feel like the spirit of um, whether directly or indirectly, the spirit of um, another Jersey, uh, Jersey Krotowski, mm. um, theatre practitioner, looms large in these works because yeah. the way, and this is this is so true of anything, any of the um, of the of the Polish films of that era that that have the, well probably any of them at all, but yeah. you know, it, it's in the water. You know, the the the, the way that actors move, the spontaneity. Um, the way that kind of Solovsky maybe yeah very true Solovsky and 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 and, or Zhurovsky I suppose all these we're saying all the names wrong I'm sure but the um, but yeah the uh, the way that actors kind of respond to the present moment in this uh, and it happens particularly in Hands Up which we just watched which is the the fourth of these four yeah Um, you've got um, Resopsis Identification Marks None Um, you've got Walkover which is um, (coughs) just called Walkover Barrier, which is called Barrier, and then yeah, Reche de Gori. Hands up. Hands There's up. also Le Depart. Um, this film with Jean Pilet, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. almost like a carry-on style farce about a, a, a car, a car racer played by Jean Pilet, a, a young, a young criminal who yeah. uh, is in efforts to. He's signed up to participate in a race. Um, he signed up to race with a Porsche, I believe, and he loses access to the Porsche. So he spends a lot of the film trying to acquire a car in mm-hmm. which he can race. And it will no doubt bring him fame and fortune. It has brilliant Skolomovsky and touches, but it it's spending it's it spends far too much of its energy trying to be something which is not, which is mm. a French New Wave film. Yeah, it's, it's basically a, yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's kind of like an appendage to the New Wave. But it has a weird sort of slapstick humor, which I quite like. But yeah, it's not. It, it it's doesn't not, stand you know. out for me. I found it pretty, not not hard going. I just found it pretty uninteresting yeah. I kept pausing it and kind of doing chores and shit while I was watching it but but there's I something th- about the parade the spontaneity the mm. fact that all these films um, feel a bit like a dream as well which mm. I think is something quite special yeah, you you, are kind you, of like eight and a time. half you, you're moving between lots of different situations all of which have extraordinary like visual memorability whether mm. it's people going down slides almost all of these films I think all four of these films have moments where people are either jumping off trains or jumping onto trains yeah. or hands up is like entirely set on a train on that a train is like carriage. moving and stopping um, and and uh, you know it's obviously an extremely good shout to um, uh, not not yeah, no pun intended because we didn't like the shout no. but um, it's an extremely good shout to use trains uh, if you're making a film because uh, trains are extremely cinematic and are of course mm. evoke the first film Lumiere um, well, not the first film one of the first films one of these first say, films yeah. Um, um, but yeah, he uses I mean, the, the trams in, in Barrier. Uh, should we hone in on Barrier? Because well, I think I one, one like thing it's worth saying is, yeah, a lot of his films um, concern uh, sort of young people who are on the cusp of adulthood, you know, yeah. often university graduates or people nearing the end of their formal education um, who are confronting 
the realities, as it were, of the adult world. They are often drifters, or there will be the central, the protagonist will be a drifter, uh, a loner, um, somebody who doesn't quite know what they want, um, and is a bit of a prankster as well. I think that's one mm. thing. You know, they play, they act, they are insincere. They're they, almost like jackass style tricks. I mean, Barrier yeah, starts with yeah, this yeah. amazing. Um, like uh, really defamiliarizing this, yeah. little game, and I you think s- starts with someone's back. I think the opening shot is this amazing flesh, fleshy, and of course it works so well in black and white. Almost all of his best yeah. films are in black and white, um, and it, and it and it and they're bent over, and their hands are, are, are tied behind their backs, and they're trying to um, pick out a um, a matchbox with their mouths. I believe they're trying to yeah pick it with their mouth and what what you see at the very beginning is you see this body just dip and fall out yeah, shot yeah, yeah, yeah. against a gray screen so and this happens several times and you see hands kind of intrude there's a conversation in the background mm-hmm. about which and i think this is a thing i noted about some of these films is they use kind of popular idioms and political dogma mm-hmm. you know people say uh, the youth are the future of the country mm-hmm. things like that people say these kind of uh, uh, the assertions which i found a, a lot like reading someone like Andrei Platonov in Russian who uses a lot of these kind of cut-up style and uses like newspaper clippings and dogma and dog roll mm-hmm. in his, his literary work. And it feels like Skolomovsky is doing that here. Um, and yeah, these bodies are dipping off this thing and then only slowly does the game reveal itself. Mm-hmm. But it, even then it doesn't make sense really. That it's, it's, it's this great moment of kind of uh, this strange circus act almost um, which obviously has really specific cogent rules to the people mm-hmm. playing it, but to the viewer is completely incomprehensible. Yeah, and it's another device. I mean, it is it is almost like that horrible phrase people use, art for the, for art's sake. You know, that, th- yeah. there are loads of moments. Um, I guess identification mark, identification marks uh, none no. is uh, is the most is the most direct of this, just simply because it was several, as you said, several student films stitched together. Yeah. And it has this, um, every shot, almost every shot is a kind of very well composed set piece that Mm. is very deliberately arranged the way it's arranged so that you see a silhouette of someone, you see someone's shadow projected really well, you see someone's reflection upside down, you see like multiple things happening at once, very well composed. Um, He immediately like, um, he immediately just arrives and says, this is my idiom. This is how, I mean, even the opening shot of Identification Marks 1, he's lighting a cigarette. It's a black screen. He lights a cigarette. Yeah. He's lit up. The cigarette goes, the the, um, the lighter goes out and you're you're back in black and then yeah. you're, you're, the light is on again. And it's like this, uh, there's a bit in Hands Up we just watched where um, where a, uh, a, a white uh, tablecloth is kind of um, folded away with all the glasses uh, mm. scrunched and um, smashed in it. The tablecloth is kind of um, pulled up, pulled up, yeah. out of frame, and then you're left with a black screen. So he works, he works with the everything is always made for the light, the the chiaroscuro mm. of the frame, um, which makes it because why he's such a natural black and white. And I think yeah. one of the things you mentioned, you know, about identification marks none. Um, there's a it's broadly from a man sort of vaguely trying to avoid military service, um, <laughs> pretty much like draft dodging. Um, but there's a great p- set piece in the center. Um, where three fr- friends meet at a cafe, talk, and then basically like ogle women walking past. Mm-hmm. A, f- a thing which has been depicted in hundreds, if not thousands, of films mm-hmm. over the years. It's my favorite version, iteration of this, this like trope. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just for its sheer visual inventiveness. Again, mm -hmm. yeah, it kind of is a bit arts for arts' sake, but it does it. It captures something about youth, I suppose, and the the youthful gaze because it is so energetic. And one amazing thing is the countertops of this cafe are glass. Mm. So the camera kind of tilts down and suddenly you see everyone looking up. There's suddenly lots of hands moving over the table, moving mm -hmm. coffee cups, cigarettes, passing cigarettes and money around. There's lots of passing things in mm -hmm. this film. People pick up a thing, drop it, someone mm -hmm. else grabs it, someone takes it off them. And then the camera kind of pans backwards and spins around the cafe mm -hmm. on the inside to track this woman and then spins around and comes back to the people, the three, three friends sitting there arguing. There's a constant burble of conversation it's such a visually intoxicating mm. way to film, to inject a freneticness into a scene because it captures something about these young characters who are full of fucking energy but actually have nothing better to do than drink coffee and watch women <laughs> walk past a window. So yeah. it neatly embodies this idea of like, you know, sort of uh, barely sublimated mm. uh, social, sexual, political energy, mm. um, which is again what makes this film so cool and so I were small p political i think about youth generations in um in poland in the 60s but let's talk about barrier because we made it a little way into barrier and then we got sidetracked which is what happens with skolomowski yes i mean skolomowski's films are about sidetracking i guess i guess we we set the scene with um i mean i can barely remember what barrier is even about it has extraordinary architectural flourishes yeah. I, mean, I can tell you what happens in in barrier give us a little uh, so it's about so it's about a man so the game they're playing at the beginning is to determine who will, of this group of friends, who will seize the um, a pot of collected money they've saved up during a university mm -hmm. course. He gets it. He mm -hmm. then roundly admonishes all his friends for being really consumerist and only interested in cars and success and wealth. And they all decide that they hate him. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant. And then he just kind of goes off and he bumps into some fitty by the side of the road who happens to be a tram driver he basically says you should become pretend to be my wife for this meal i've got to go to mm. and a lot of the film is him kind of them just making their way to this meal at a restaurant and this party um but there's not even anyone waiting for him when he gets to this restaurant mm -hmm. you know um and it's this kind of love affair and then at the end they have a kind of reunification at a party and he throws himself in front of her tram uh, so it's kind of a love story, not not to die. She stops the tram, mm -hmm. but there's a kind of love. It's really his most complete love story in a way. It has a happy ending for a Skolomovsky film, but that's the framing. It's a yeah. journey. It's like Salan. It's like a long, dark journey into the night, basically, um, which throws up all of these other questions. It's a very youthful quest for status or, or quest to yeah. sort of understand one's relationship to status. Mm. Um, it stars Jan no Novicki, who... Um, is just one of the most extraordinary actors Brilliant. ever, I think. Like actually. A deep, deep, deep Grotowskian. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine so. And he yeah. um and he worked with Vojic Has, he's in Agla Centorium, a film which um not everyone agrees with me. One of our one of our um, most uh, popular episodes actually. Oh it's true actually. People really like yeah listen to tune in to the, to our episode where we disagree a little bit about um about our glass sanatorium um a sort of classic Polish fantasy film by Vojic Has, which stars Janowski in a, a similar role. I think perhaps um, as I mature, I prefer him in in Barrier than in 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 Aglas. But um, yeah. Uh, but yes, it's 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 playing that same role of a man, sort of in a in a swirling kind of vista of strangeness, oddity, uh, kind of 
impervious to the to the rationale of what's going on but not kind of totally rejecting it either Char- at, at times confused and and charmed by uh the way of the world i mean he's yeah. a perfect kind of <clears throat> a perfect stand-in for the viewer he's a perfect kind of protagonist yeah there's an indeterminacy about skolimowski film which is that he doesn't reveal motivation for characters yeah. you know that's we're used to characters having a quest or a mission and it being clear you know, even Tarkovsky with, you know, Stalker, mm-hmm. the objective of Stalker is very clear. The stakes are very clear in, Tark- in Tarkovsky. Yeah. With Skolomovsky, they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of, there's a section where he goes to trade for a sword, mm-hmm. goes to this apartment of this woman, uh, and it's this strange kind of large, austere house where she at first mistakes him for a cleaner. And he kind of goes along with it. And there's a lot of going along with it, mm. the bit. Uh, he kind of buys this sword. He agrees to have a bath in the house and she kind of uh, tries to seduce him. He rejects her. But there are these amazing moments of intimacy. Or not intimacy, but like kind of what presumably would be kind of crossed barriers. You know, people mm-hmm. get in, he gets in, his characters get into these kind of bizarre situations whose who's kind of uh, outlines are never really sketched or filled in. Mm-hmm. Um, they just get into situations and they're mm. often a great kind of excuse cinematically to create quite an arresting, memorable scene. So there's a power cut in that. Yeah. He's in the bath in the dark and she enters with a candle and a kind of negligee. And, it, you know, there's an element where there's, it's farcical and sexy, but it's not. It's actually filled with a real ominous existential angst almost. Mm. And he's very good at that. And he's amazing at kind of concocting out of nothing. Um, you know, there's a scene where he goes to give blood yeah. in a blood drive um and all of, he's standing by a wall next to these pipes which a man is fixing why is a man fixing a pipe you know these pipes which seem to be serving nothing and yeah. why are there loads of pipes in a blood bank mm. um and all these men suddenly shuffle past loads and loads and loads and loads of them he loves using big ensembles loads of people moving backwards and forth there is an incredible sense of of ensembles and blocking in um in his films where like I think you pulled out a good example from Hands Up because it's shot on a train carriage. Do you want to talk about that use of that kind of uh, vertical envelope, maybe? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the great things about um, framing <coughs> is that, you, you know, you, I mean, that you can change the aspect ratio just by having darkness on either side. It's almost like a TikTok frame you get in this... Uh, this film, hands up, um, and it's just about the barriers, the the doors uh, of this train, this freight carriage that they're in for the whole film, um, and and it frames uh, it frames various thing, various people uh, in this sort of um, rectangle, in this portrait rectangle. Um, it's just very, it's not mannered. I mean, maybe some people might think it's mannered, but it's it's just very deliberate and 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 conscious efforts like that um to compose things well um but you know you get it in kurosawa you get it in anyone who's sort of in, in certainly in fellini you get it in anyone who's serious um mm. about about cinematic space um and i don't think you get i mean walkover is 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 maybe the one that has the most like uh raw human energy because he's mm. drawing on his experience as a boxer and yeah. he's playing this this uh, you know um boxer who's competing and and it has these these uh not chase sequences but you know fast 
a lot of a lot of, a lot of the time the camera there are quite long takes where the camera follows him running and then running up a building and the zoom and the compositions there are a bit more kind of uh, frenetic. Well, e- even at one point, um, but they're still composed. Off a moving train, so you get a shot from yeah, moving the train. It's a very iconic scene, which Jerzy Skolmowski, because uh, we went to the screening of, of Walkover. At the so BFI. this was a bit disappointing. We, we, I, I was already yeah. primed for this sort of uh, elder <coughs> abuse kind of atmosphere. Um, you know, when there's a foreign uh, director in London, older, an older director. Um, often I feel that when there's a, a Q&A, there's a sort of feeling of um, a certain kind of bon homie that makes me feel a bit um, nauseated uh, because you know that the director doesn't, directors and critics don't, uh, or directors and programmers don't think the same way. And, and you know, you just I just knew Skolom obviously wasn't going to sort of play ball in terms of illuminating his work. Um, but no. it was particularly. I didn't. We didn't go to the actual um, uh, kind of in conversation event. It was like a whole evening of him talking. But we did go to the uh, screening of Walkover, which had an introduction by him, specifically because of, I was already aware. I'd seen Walkover and uh, Barrier yeah. before, and I was aware that this era of his films was the one we wanted to focus on. So we went to the screening. He gave this. Um, oh, he didn't introduce it. A, a, um, a program I introduced it, but then at the end. <laughs> He gave this interviewed very, I think, fairly, fairly well by um, Maheli from Second Run, who will be distributing these DVDs, yeah, these in, d- in uh, Blu-rays of these two films, um, Walkover and uh, Barrier. But um, but he was just giving these crap answers. All he really said was, "Oh, I'm I'm I haven't watched this film for a long time, but I'm very proud of the jump that I make from the train." Yeah. That is um, really impressive. Yeah, it's yeah. quite, I mean, I guess it's quite a Chad answer, quite a jock mm-hmm. answer, but I, I felt it was sort of underselling himself. It almost felt like he'd sort of lost touch with, I mean, maybe it was, just, maybe all of this d- d- dynam- dynamism that you get in these early films was just sort of a, an intuit, I think, in, in, intuition for him. But yeah. it's clearly, they're clearly some of the most exciting films of their era precisely because of this meticulous and both meticulous and energetic and vibrant um, mm. blocking and, and contrast. And yeah, but I, th- I think there's an element where, like, yeah, he was giving kind of chat answers. I assume he's pretty tired or whatever. And also, like, there's a weird thing about being invited to your own retrospective because it probably feels like being invited to your own funeral a little bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe you would look back and people are kind of celebrating these films in your 60s and you're sitting there thinking, ah, my youth has fled. <laughs> um but I mean, he seemed most excited to talk about the boxing and the, the the jumping off the train. He seemed less interested formally in the films. He kind of gave the impression that he felt they were quite amateurish, which mm. they are in a lot of ways, but they are really exciting. And there's a lot, I think that it's a discredit to his own filmmaking to imply that they're slapdash. There are certainly slapdash filmmakers uh, who have tons of ideas, but formally shaky. You know, Parajana, for example, a really good example of that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, in the films are full of, extraordinary uses of depth often something is happening in the background the middle ground and the foreground all of which help tell the story there's a great scene in identification marks none where uh, jersey skolomovsky his character his alter ego goes into a language learning center um and he picks up the phone and there's this whole kerfuffle about him having to wait to use the phone and it's a very classic Skolomovskian thing where there's sort of like someone else needs to use it and they're kind of banging on about there's a sort of unexplained rule that's uh, holding play you know kind of sitting over mm-hmm. the situation 
He eventually gets through and he talks to his mum on the phone. There's a window behind him and you're not really listening to the conversation between him and his mum because it's, you know, you only hear half of it and it's just, you know, mum-son chat. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the, in the, in, 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 through the window, you see this car kind of attempting to do a three-point turn in this mm-hmm. snowy car park, causing all sorts of like absolute chaos mm-hmm. them, uh, in the process. Um, and then there's also people walking in front of the, the window and there's other mm-hmm. people moving into the language center and this, the camera's actually static at this point. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing sense of like, yeah, just there's multiple levels and depth of things going on mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily... Um, you know, it, it it is a bit frivolous and and mm-hmm. farcical, but it adds a real sense of vitality into this filmmaking where things just do pop in, and it's almost got the kind of energy of, yeah, like a Chaplin or a Keaton, where things just kind of true, or, or even a Marx Brothers film where everything's moving at a slightly sped mm-hmm. up pace and people are just klutzing and bumbling into spaces, um, and it, yeah, and it, uh, that's something he understands really well, and sometimes he uses that depth to extraordinary beauty. I mean, um, there's a great scene in hands up where the characters who are coated in plaster by this point it's a very politically allegorical Mm -hmm. film um coated in plaster and we see these candles very very close up and the camera kind of widens and pushes through and over these candles slightly but they're Mm -hmm. still in the foreground and the candles are creating this kind of distortion through the the shimmering sort of like the desert or something yeah mirage and then we see these characters slowly emerge and they're framed kind of static against the boards of this Mm, hall and the camera pans out and the room is filled with candles and it's an incredibly holy and reverential use of space and time uh, you know kind of sculpting in time sculpting in space in the Tarkovsky sense um you know, so he's perfectly capable. Moments before, they'd been dancing and singing, running in circles and pushing each other over and punching each, o- each other. So he's able to go from this very slapstick place to this very reverential and very holy place, uh, you know, at a snap of his fingers. And that's a remarkable thing. Like there's, you know, all, it's, it's, he, he plays in this, this fun, silly register and then will suddenly just, you know, switch. Um, yeah. Let's uh, speaking of switches. Let's pull out yeah. to um, <coughs> to see what that kind of hinge moment in his career is, where he, in my view, moves into making less uh, right less exciting films. Um, it, it, so you know the Polish era walkover identification identification marks non barrier um, and hands up, which of course hands up he actually completes and releases, uh, including a very weird sci-fi intro filmed in. Beirut, Beirut with Bruno Gans, with Bruno Gans and and, and Jane Asher, um, and many other actors. Um, uh, you know, which he then releases in 1980. Um, 81, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And um, but but after that Polish era, he's exiled for the section of Hands Up, the most prominent section of Hands Up, the black and white section. Um, it's not released. Uh, he then goes. To France initially to do Le Depart, this was just like French New Wave pastiche slapstick uh, film, which is perfectly fun, but you know it doesn't mm. really break any doesn't linger, yeah, you know, break any um, uh, break any records. And then um, and then he goes to uh, well, he doesn't exactly go to London. <laughs> he he makes yeah. Deep End, which is mostly filmed in Munich. Mm. Um, pretty much every bit of it that you could possibly imagine not being filmed in London is filmed in Munich. There are some exteriors shot in London and then the pool itself is, is, is a pool in London. But yeah, um, it's that pool that I think they did a, 
a show about at the Whitechapel, that big that oh, really? community pool. I think it's that pool. Like it was in Leytonstone, I think. 1970. No one died. <laughs> no one died. <laughs> Not that pool. That's in Acton. Yeah, that's in Acton. The yeah. day-to-day pool. Um, um, but uh, yeah, so the Deep End, um, I'll just quickly summarize yeah, Deep End. It's a um, sexual awakening film uh, set at least in London uh, starring Jane Asher and um, this chap young chap John Mulder Brown it has a terrific cameo from Diana Dawes um, who uh, an aging Diana Dawes who um, plays a patron of this uh, this baths where um, John Mulder Brown's character has got his first job he's being sort of apprenticed by um, very hot and sexy Jane Asher um, who wolf, wolf. is sort of telling him Honestly. Uh, telling him the ways it's almost like he's sort of working in a brothel he's he's sort of obliged to take tips for uh, helping people to their baths and then uh, helping them to, helping them to do other things place um, uh, and, uh, and 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 this is sort of uh, alluded to uh, meanwhile he's a virgin and he's kind of uh, grappling with physically grappling uh, with um, with his feelings for Jane Asher Jane Asher just is the nearest hot woman in his life. She's older than him, but she's um, quite charismatic. Yeah, she flirts well. with him. Yeah. She leads There's him an amazing improvised well. scene where um, uh, she sort of like um, touches him a lot and kind of kisses him through this poster of a pregnant man, which is kind of a, a, a Saatchi um, publicity poster about not yeah. um, about, about a sexual... Yeah, what um, if you were a man but got pregnant? Yeah, uh, not sexual health. What is it? Um, pregnancy. Uh, planned, pregnant, planned, 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 planned parenthood. Planned parenthood. Um, safe sex. Yeah, so um, so deep end, beautiful. I mean, the, the central idea, the central metaphor of um, going in at the deep end, uh, this idea, uh, uh, the way that the pool is used. I mean, he, he has lost none of his visual inventiveness, the way mm. the location of the pool is used, the way that this uh, concept... Um, uh, this this device of um, uh, this engagement uh, diamond that um, Jane Asher's character's boyfriend yeah, has got for her s- that yeah. they that gets lost in the snow and then they have to use this complicated sort of uh, boiling water process to sort of like locate with her the diamond with her tights. They shovel all the snow into some bags, take it to the pool, fill boil. They rig a electric kettle to a lamp, yeah, uh, and then create a kind of filtration system to try and locate this. It's an amazing. Uh, in game, you know, like yeah. I said earlier, setting up these kind of strange. There's obviously a much simpler way to have found this diamond, which was just to look in the snow for it, which is what I would have done. Oh, I think they try that, and it doesn't. They um, look for about two minutes. But anyway, out. anyway, it's it's irrelevant to the the logic of the film. Uh, it's an excuse to get them back into the swimming pool, this very symbolically charged place, because it is a place where a there are underwater scenes that are quite dreamlike where he mm. swims and imagine he's swimming with her and they're naked. He steals a paper cutout from outside a bawdy house, mm-hmm. um, a kind of brothel, uh, and, and takes it to the pool and swims with this cardboard cutout, which then becomes underwater her real live body, Jane Asher's real life body. It's an amazing it, moment. It's a beautifully, um, it's, it's, it is just a, um, a perfect wet dream. It's a beautifully yeah. <laughs> cinematically constructed uh, way to convey the pain of adolescent unrequited adolescent desire mm. um and uh, and yeah. it, it's sexy and it's disturbing sexy well, yeah um and it's it's um it's a strange uncanny experience <coughs> uh and it, it's actually not even though it does in a way now we talk about it share things 
the sense of, of temptation that the use of visual devices to um to kind of arouse and um uh seduce the audience uh you know we talk about this in barrier mm. um it it does feel it does feel different it does feel like a step towards more conventional filmmaking because yeah. the stakes are now more kind of um more clear and i the guess dialogue is perhaps uh less grounded in a, an immediate political social context it's more ordinary the dialogue I yeah i mean it loses some of its kind of uh um declarativeness which is what the it's less surreal it's have, maybe yeah. less zany i suppose but it's, it's also libidinally open i think that's one of the things like it's exciting to see a film like um the shout is also quite libidinally open film as well and i think that's one of the poisons of making a uk film is that the uk has an abundance is like carry on esque mm. uh, sexuality, cheap, cheap, frivolous sexuality. And I think one of the great things about his early films in, in Poland is that there is a repression and a sense of shame. So a lot of his protagonists, there's often a woman, there's mm. often a love interest in the films. Um, and they flirt, but the, the male protagonist is often a largely indifferent to this person. Mm -hmm. You know, he's kind of interested, but isn't. Not in Barrier. In Barrier, he's got the hots for this woman. He has, but there's like maybe an embrace, maybe the implication. And in Hands Up, they're all really horny for this woman, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, but no, but there, there are embraces, and but it's never really taken to the point of, you know, it's never taken to coitus. Yeah, yeah it's, it's never taken to con culmination, yeah, yeah. whereas, you know, film, The Shout and, um, and uh, Deep End both kind of actually go the whole way. Um, and I think that loss of, I guess, repression or shame, in a way, it, it kind of makes the films a little bit less interesting a little bit less sublimated a little bit less weird um i don't know that's i don't think that's the reason why they kind of blow a bit um and it's like deep end is a great film it really is good but it's never reaches it, i think except in the pool scene when he dies so we see this kind of high angle shot down at uh kind of it's a high angle shot looking at slightly askance at the pool water um, and he throws the, the cardboard cutout into it. And mm. so it appears off screen, lands in the water and is floating there. And there's a kind of purple tinge to the water. Mm -hmm. And then he dives in. Uh, it's an incredibly well-composed and very beautiful shot. There great underwater like shots. Yeah. Great underwater shots. But other parts of the film are shot a little bit indifferently or they're just, you know, waving a camera around. There's, the there's greatest really error of this film the absolutely catastrophic uh, use of contemporary popular music by Cat, Cat Stevens. Stevens. Um, the, the most galling aspect of this was watching the special features where the editor, I don't know if he's uh, any longer with us, but if he's listening, I hope he takes note. Um, the editor says, quite often when using contemporary music in a film like this, uh, it, it feels anachronistic and is and, and is deeply dated, but uh, I don't feel like that happened uh, in, in his case at all. <laughs> I think it does. I, I don't think it has happened. It's ever happened more mm. than in Deep End. Yeah. The absolutely and and and, and Scully obviously thought this was a good idea. He said it in interviews. Um, but this is some one of us will die tonight. Something like some I think it's horrible quite, pop song being no, played. No, no, it's like it's, it's quite a bad Cat Stevens song. It's it's Cat Stevens in a kind of rocky seventies phase and moving away from a more folky mm. infused work. It kind of doesn't fit, and it's like is it Cat does, Stevens Cat, good? Is, is Cat it? Stevens is great, but it it does Cat Stevens. Sorry, Yusuf Islam, I should say. Um, <laughs> it does Cat Stevens a disservice to mm -hmm. be involved with this film, and it does Skolomowski a disservice to have this cat stevens track it isn't a good fit no it feels jarring over the top of the film there should um, be like sensitivity readers for this sort of thing there should they like in like, the 70s there should have been like someone that you talk to to just check yeah. someone who actually knows about music to be like am i just using this because it's like because it's because i'm hearing it in shops a lot 
So if like, or like how's that going to work with films now? Someone's like, maybe we shouldn't have like Bjork in this. Yeah, someone will be someone will be like, hold on a minute, why are you using this? Um, it uh, feels too too. This you are watching a film now. This is the yeah, introduction yeah, yeah. music to this film, which you're not going to hear during the film, but you're going to hear at the end. But either way, like, it, <laughs> I think Deep End is a uh, there's elements of it where it verges on carry on but in a kind of interesting way because you're kind of yeah it's a very camp yeah it's very camp and you're seeing a carry on film through the lens but of i thought the Let part was like a carry on film as well i mean even there and carry on elements of hands part, up actually yeah the most part is just a new wave film it's just like a kind of off-cut um godard film or maybe truffaut actually it's a bit more truffaut it's like shoot the pianist mm-hmm. uh, it, it, yeah it gives me shoot the pianist vibes um but yeah, there's a there's this move outside of Poland. I think he was in a you know I was watching an interview with him the other day, and he's very much like, you know, he was a director. That's that was his skill, his wheelhouse. He acted a bit to kind of make money, but he was very much at the the beck and call of what scripts were ever available to him, really. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of had to make do. And I think with well, in the seventies era, you think? Yeah, in the seventies era. I mean, he said this. Did he not write the scripts himself? He was involved, but he, you know, the way it, it was much easier to make in Poland the films he wanted to make. He mm. was a little bit of the subject to production houses and commercial viability of projects, um, and a, a perhaps a less uh, a less well received tradition of avant garde experimental av- new wave filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't a thing in the UK. Um, in the way it was. And it's interesting, he ended up in the UK and you think maybe a natural home for him would have been France. Um, but maybe it was too, France was too packed already with its own wave and really to make a splash. Yeah, and I um, think, I guess he spoke English. I don't know. There's, there is... Um, well, he did in that phase. So he talked during this interview. So he, he hung out with Fellini uh, at Cinecitta mm-hmm. um, in, in his famous like studios in, in, in Italy. Um, and he had lunch with uh, Fellini Um and a couple other people, and he said he regrets this encounter. He said he didn't speak English at that point, or spoke it very, very badly. So he didn't, re- couldn't really interact with the the great man um, himself. So it is interesting that he wasn't really an English speaker, but ended up making films. Uh, but by the eighties, he spoke competent English. But he so he makes the shout, which is just a crude and ridiculous folk, folk horror, horror film, film yeah. um, <laughs> with with occasional exciting touches. But yeah, with this like that I kind of like about um, this deeply silly film. It's a deeply silly film with yeah. a stupid concept and like quite an entertaining Alan Bates performance because Alan Bates is always great. really bad but John Hurt performance. Actually, really weak. Well, like, John Hurt is there's one moment like one little Hurt Easter Hurt egg in <laughs> in John Hurt. Obviously, John Hurt was a homosexual. Um, there is an amazing. I'm moment. hearing this for the first time right now. <laughs> there's an amazing <laughs> moment where he's in a bath sharing a bath with um his wife his wife the leading lady of the film whose name is Susanna York Susanna York um and uh he's sort of I've just never seen a man be kind of less into <laughs> yeah like he's he, his Susanna her, York could be a very their very body, attractive their woman. bodies are like together and he just sort of looks he looks like he's trying to uh, help her across the road or something. It's, it's, he, there's a, he has, basically has to get out of the bath because someone calls her through the window. And the look of relief yeah, on John's yeah. face He's like, I don't palpable. have to be in this bath with this woman's <laughs> body. He's obviously <laughs> gagging for some dick. Actually, there's, uh, amazing, actually, there's an amazing part of them. Um, there's incidental parts of uh, the shout, which are great. So the, for, for no absolutely no reason whatsoever, really, um, J- John Hurt's character is an experimental. Oh, he's musician. a cafe otto guy. Yeah, he's yeah. There's loads guy. of otto moments. So there's like he has this great studio where playing he's with just his knobs, playing with his knob, wishing he, wishing he could play with someone else. Yeah, uh, simmer down. Um, <laughs> so he's basically 
None of that. This is a family program. Um, he has like this it wasn't amazing. Last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last week was different. It was dark, dark YouTube. But he has this amazing studio setup where he kind of is doing foley and using lots of reverb and echo effects to kind of produce interesting foley sounds. And it's not really clear why the fuck he's doing this or who's commissioning to do it, whatever. It was a seventies baby. Um, and yeah, it's, it's those, those elements are shot really interestingly, almost in a Bressonian way, you know, mm -hmm. kind of focus the, the way that the objects are framed and the, the adoration, devotion to objects and hands doing things. Um, I enjoyed those bits the most. I could have happily just watched that for like two hours and I would have been like mm. pleased as punch, honestly. Um, but the wider film is the, on it's so farcical, but not in a good farcical way, like in the way that Hands Up is farcical and it's really no, it's biting. Far, it's and interesting. farcical in an Ennis main way. Yeah, and it's like so. There's there, and the, I think it the icing on the cake is this fucking uh, cricket hut that explodes <laughs> comically at the end. Uh, you know, Tim Curry gets there, flung over the cricket pitch. There's, he gets stupid. turned into a curry. Um, <laughs> does doesn't he? And then there's so then Hands Up. Then mm. he does this strange sci-fi introduction to Hands Up, mm. the film he made during his good era. Yeah. Um, which is uh, which kind of um, it's shot in Beirut. There are some amazing, beautiful shots in it, and this Penderecki plane music, landing. This, this very histrionic Penderecki music kind of does, does like does the trick. But the whole concept is is him trying to kind of create an almost like a sort of led by donkey style kind of <laughs> <laughs> sort of um but posturing uh, he would lead by donkeys with the ear yeah the true <laughs> very good very good um uh, a sort of posturing um uh metaphor for his own um exile, exile. yeah it's, with it's all him these, trying with all, to intellectualize it it is way. very fpv using yeah. all these kind of uh, london actors to sort of uh, tell his sob story um <laughs> which was deeply irritating um and then he does moonlighting which uh, I haven't seen, but um, it's Jeremy Irons, Jeremy Irons playing a Polish builder. Would you have sex with your <laughs> dog? <laughs> Would you um, have sex with your son? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not against casting Jeremy Irons. The Jeremy Irons is great actor. Um, he's fantastic in Inland Empire. But really I would say that Empire. every time he's well cast, mm. it's because. He's a deeply odd man. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's not well cast. He just happens to be playing yeah. Jeremy Irons. In and, uh, and, and, so, and I think uh, yeah. it, I, it doesn't look like, I, I shouldn't talk about films I haven't seen, but it doesn't look like he's particularly well cast. I don't think Moonlighting is particularly good. But this is, that is an interesting thing about um, him working with quite extreme actors. I know we're supposed to be focusing on the early films, mm. but in 2010 he makes um, Essential Killing. With Vincent Gallo. Vincent Gallo. Remember him? Gallo's um, humour. Gallo's humour. And it's an extraordinary vehicle. It has a very wobbly... Uh, opening 10 15 minutes framing narrative but the actual body of the film itself is a survival story um with vincent gallo against the elements trying to survive it's extraordinarily be beautifully shot a real return to form but um skolomovsky is, is a, you know a, a a filmmaker's filmmaker it's very the cinematography is extraordinary um in a snowbound landscape there's some amazing amazing moments of real heightened absurdity and blocking which is consistent with early skolomovsky of these chase scenes and dog fighting scenes. Um, I think it's absolutely extraordinary film. And I think in many ways is typical of that. Um, uh, Skolomowski is best when someone is on a kind of vague but fraught hero's journey going mm -hmm. from one place to another. He's a journeyman, literally. Like in EO kind of does that because it is the journey of a donkey through a series of, of tableau. Um, but obviously the didacticism of EO probably lets it down a bit because you're very much saying this is a film about the cruelty of man to man and man to animal. Yeah, which I think I, which lets it down. Obviously, we talked about that. It feels de it feels cruel to um to compare EO to Ohazard Balthazar mm. 
which I think Skolomowski himself would be the first to admit is a far superior film. Um, uh, although I would think he? Skolomowski has a strange kind of um, arrogant. arrogant thing, so maybe not. <laughs> but that's it's why I like him. Filmmakers uh, are, uh, I think, most filmmakers w- worth their salt have a certain reverence to to wrestle. He would have escaped this this whole conundrum if he'd cut if, if he had just been a, a different animal. Yeah, it's so true. Or anything, literally. Because it is quite yeah. a different film in lots of ways. And 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 what's so important about Ohsad Valtasar, which I saw recently um, at the BFI again. Um, mm. Uh, is that it's not about the fucking animal. I mean, no. the animal becomes a surface through which we understand all these different relations between people. Yeah. Um, the little girl, the you know schoolmaster, family, and everything like that. And it's kind of a device that <coughs> Bresson... I mean, Bresson is constantly trying to tell human relations... Now this is a Bresson pod, but like... Um, it's got, uh, but Bresson is constantly trying to tell human relations through things that aren't quite human relations, you know, and... Mm. Uh, he through makes objects and devotion, through objects, devotions, exactly, yeah. Obje- objects, objects, and 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 her, and the donkey and her side, Balthazar, Balthazar, the donkey, kind of helps us to to look indirectly at humans, and then through a glass darkly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and yeah. then he sort of, um, but in a way, even though it is one of my favorite Bresson films, I feel that he later on with Mouchette and Infem Deuce, he sort mm. of then builds up the courage to just make films about people yeah um i love him from douche uh, I, I, I love l'argent i'm a huge yeah. l'argent actually we yeah. haven't ever posited about Bresson. i don't think i could pod about Bresson. oh really yeah, it's one of them like we haven't posited about tarkovsky i think an infirme douche pod is yeah we'd have to do we'd have to look at uh Bresson because i recently directly yeah actually we'd have to look at uh, an offcut we'd have to look at lancelot du lac or something we'd have to look at some we'd have to look at him not through the obvious um, well, Infirme Deuce is far from an offcut. It's my favorite Bresson film. Yeah, but it's not like it's not one of the. It's not, one, it's not canonical. It's now, not yeah. Pickpocket. It's not Man Escapes. All of the kind of overdetermined True, yeah. um, uh, Bresson films that people think of as being canonical of yeah, Bresson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back back to Skolomowski. I think there's uh, yeah the the early films um, have a frisson, a fizziness, uh, a kind of I suppose through amateurism, uh, but also through a real. I think a real knowledge, a real expert knowledge of framing and blocking, composition mm-hmm. of time, of space, an ability to concoct quite insane, surreal and yet very naturalistic studies of youth, um, longing, desire, uh, and drifting, mm. which is the main thing, you know. And it's obviously it was in the water of the, of the '60s anyway of this generation, mm-hmm. but this was all le- bo- leading up to the boiling point of '68, yeah. um, which is when he reaches his own kind of deflation i suppose in, in the same way that the student movement uh, in, of the 60s of, of may reached its own point of deflation i suppose and i think there's something very sexy and very cool about jersey skolomowski in the 60s um which isn't echoed in it may only be four or five films really four but i haven't seen any other filmmaker produce that quality um an interesting excitement for me. I don't think in else, such short succession. Short succession, yeah. Godard maybe, but Godard, Godard's a whole different plane. Like because Godard was just way more. Um, I mean, Godard was an ideas man and ranging, yeah. Yeah. and 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 Godard was more. I think more of a craftsman. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. A foot like if you compare Image Book to EO in terms of like you know uh, yeah. old man films, old man auteur films, yeah, yeah. like edgy, still still got it. Old man, old man, old man. Well, he made fucking films. Le Mepri. Like you know, to go so 
got in the 60s, he went from the space of making Buddha Souffle mm. to Lerma Prix, which is the film of a 70-year-old man. Yeah, yeah. Like Lerma Prix is an absolute goddamn masterpiece, yeah, but yeah. it was made by a, a literal like apprentice filmmaker, effectively. Yeah, yeah, no, he um, matured incredibly quickly and yeah. he, he, he had... Tools and the and the environment to yeah. To, but Skolomowski never found his lemma. But Skol- Skolomowski yeah. also had to leave Poland, and, and I don't yeah. I don't want to be. Um, he took the I, he I took the walk from from Poland, Poland. and and yeah. um, it lost its lost uh, it somewhere. I, I I you know there's something I don't want to say that he can't he he didn't because um, he did make Deep End, which was great, although it's got this weird sort of clunkiness to it, but mm. it is a. It's that, okay. It's a fabulous. It, it's okay because it's, it's so okay. fabulously constructed. Yeah. But there are um, there is something about him in his Poland, in his Poland years that is just for me. Yeah. Well, well, you know, he never me. achieves that again. And I'm not. I, I don't mean to say that that means that everyone should stay where they uh, came from. But I think there is some um, something that, for at least for him, he 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 could access there in the tradition in the Polish tradition, and it's why we like a lot of a lot of Polish films. It's mm. a, it's uh it's punching way above its weight, um, as a country cinematically yeah. in the twentieth century. And there's a real respect for the avant-garde, I think, in Poland, yeah. um, in a way that even f- you know even in France, you know, the, the avant-garde infuses everything. Yeah, in a way that it does from poster design in, in, to film. And I think there's something you know even in France, like the the new wave in France is so spectacularly influential because it used the language and tropes of Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and Moscow, you know, the Hollywood Moscow Film Complex, whatever. Mm-hmm. But he used those languages, like the the great, as it were, avant-garde films of France are really Hollywood films, mm-hmm. um, you know. And the actual avant-gardists of that period, people like well, he's Swiss, but Alain Tanner, mm-hmm. uh, Jean Daniel Paulet, people like that were unable to, uh, and Rene maybe were, you know, and languished a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds it sounds weird to say that someone like Rene languished, but you know, um, he wasn't elevated in the way that the actual you know Cahier new wave were mm-hmm. because he was you know not doing using this kind of more conventional more accessible language but i think i really respect the polish and particularly skolomowski's approach to making really experimentally avant-garde films that are still like fun as fuck to watch mm. um i think um on that note <coughs> yes. on the note of fun um fun. i think we uh I think that's about it on Skolomowski. Um, yeah, exactly. we, we, we are, we, there's good news around Skolomowski. We've alluded to it earlier. All four of these films are this year being released on Blu-ray in the UK. This means there will be high quality copies of the, mm. of the most recent restorations out there in the world d- uh, released by the BFI uh, in the case of identification marks, num- identification marks none mm. and Hands up and um, second run. Yeah, and uh, a lot of these films are currently on are BFI player. Actually, okay. are they? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hands up isn't yet on BFI player. It's coming in May, I okay. believe, early May. I think the sixth or seventh of May. But the, all the other film, I think, a, a good number of the other films we talked about today, including Central Killing. Um, oh yeah, the latest colleagues are all yeah, there. Are all yeah, there. Yeah. EO's there, but you know some of these early ones are, are there as well. Identification marks none is certainly on movie yeah. in the UK. So yeah, fill your boots. Um, I think there's. I don't think there's any other housekeeping. We we don't we don't do this thing sometimes where we promise to re- do a future episode about somebody and then we don't do that episode. Like our it'll, you know our non-existent Hushashen episode podcast, yeah. which lives in our heads, but. Um, yeah, th- th- there's there's plenty ahead. There is the BFI film on film festival, which, which we're I think to, we'd like to we're cover. going to cover in some yeah. fashion. 
Um, but we we will be back. We will be so back. Be um, so back there baby. are so many films still to talk about. So many. Please um, stop making them. I think we might actually do a review of Jean Dillman. Yeah. Why what is not? the Dillman? And that what might Dillman? that might balloon into an Ackerman. But no, I think maybe we just no. We keep it. Keep There's it, so much to Dillman. say about um, uh, Jean Dillman. Alluding, so. of course, to its placement at re- uh, last year in the Science Sound list. Number and then one, I think, baby. yeah, as we said earlier, maybe an infem du Bresson kind of special. <laughs> Getting Bresson very French special. language, actually. I mean, we we have probably world. done more French films than any other nation. We really need to like uh, decolonize our our curriculum, don't we? I don't think so. We've not done *Vers Ethical* or *Love Diaz*. The two filmmakers from the global south that actually exist. Uh, no, but Yang. we have done *Manny Cow*. Where's our Manikau. Where's Edward Yang episode? I didn't like Yee Yee that much. Yee. And I can't be bothered to watch Bright Summer Day. Although I will. I've got it on what period, about, so I will watch it. What about Pick, Pickpocket? Oh, um, the the other Pickpocket, yes. Yeah. By our, Maybe uh, not Edward Yang. Sorry, we're just we're just gabbling on. You're now, just saying a, Asian just... people's names. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, I I I'm I. There are many directors I'd like to do from many parts of the world. They go to um, a different school. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. They're really fit. Um, really fit. Yeah. Um, Lav Diaz is a, is an enormous undertaking. Uh, Verisetical, actually, I am not that keen on. <sighs> so this is where Ralph is wrong, and that's why we should do an episode about Verisetical because obviously I do like one of the, I do probably like one of the greatest him. living filmmakers. Um, I do like him, but I don't get it. You don't get it. I don't That's get such a philistinic. I don't get this like insane obsession with various articles. I don't find myself bewitched by the sort of. Have you um, seen Mysterious Subject at Noon? Is that the black and white one? Yeah, the first one. I fell asleep during it. But yeah, that's the you, point. That's the, the point. He wants you to fall asleep. That's the point. Yeah, exactly. That's, that, that's what. No, I'm it was saying. very. It was very beautiful, but it just. It it's didn't. more than beautiful. It's invigorating. It's 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 the liminal space between the spirit and the physical world. It's it's extraordinary. You have to let yourself sink into it, and then you can prepare yourself for a Laz Diaz evolution of a Filipino family for eighteen hours, a day well spent. No, I wouldn't deny that for a second. Yeah, mm. maybe. Well, um, the next episode, of educating Ralph <laughs> on <laughs> decolonizing Ralph on ethical will yeah. uh, will follow, uh, no doubt. All right, um, peace out. Bye bye.